The word always followed by something positive is what you're looking for in the experiences that you want to create that are amazing. That's when customers say, I love doing business with them because that word always just creates this consistency and this confidence in their mind. And that's what customers like. They like to have confidence and trust who they're doing business with. Welcome back to the CX Pulse podcast. We're glad you're joining us. Welcome back to the CX Pulse podcast. Today, we are honored to be joined by New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author, Shep Hyken, author of the book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. And Shep, you're a customer service and experience expert. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. We've got a big conversation today, but first, I want to know about this book because clearly you've got a lot of useful tips in here about how we can keep our customers engaged. Yeah. So the book is titled, I'll Be Back, How to Get Your Customers to Come Back Again and Again. And you'll notice there's a Terminator font. And just for fun, because we're having a good time here, I thought I would maybe look a little Terminator-esque. I'll be back. (laughs) But the whole idea behind the book was... This was my eighth book, so I've written seven others. A lot of them are really tactical in the whole area of customer service and experience. And I was working with a client, and there was about, uh, I'm going to say, almost a 1,000 people in the audience for a speech that I was about to deliver. And we're talking about how you measure success, the different metrics, net promoter score, CSAT, effort, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you know, those are really important. And we talked about why. And I said, you realize that's a history lesson. And he says, what do you mean? I go, well, it tells you what happened yesterday. It tells you what happened the last time. By the way, the audience were the owners and managers of hair salons, which I thought was pretty funny that they would hire the bald guy to do the keynote speech for people that own hair salons because I hadn't been in a hair salon in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so uh, we were talking to the client and realized, you know, metrics are history and you learn from history. They're really important. You've got to get them. And once you understand the why behind the metrics, you can say, okay, we can make improvements. We can change whatever to make sure we do it better next time and forever if we want to change the process. But then we started talking about behavior and we realized, you know, behavior is the ultimate metric which is, does the customer actually come back? That's it. That, to me, is the most important statistic that you can measure because if they tell you you are great but they don't come back, why not? And we get into the difference between you know repeat business and loyal business. And repeat business is a customer that comes back again and again, which, by the way, looks a lot like a loyal customer but they may not be. And there's nothing wrong with repeat customers. We want them. But the goal is over time, we create this relationship that endears them to us and makes them want to keep doing business with us instead of going to a competitor, which might be a little bit less expensive or perhaps more convenient if you are going you know, to a physical location. And that, by the way, is what drives a lot of repeat business. Why do you come here? Because you're the more convenient choice. If a competitor moved in a mile closer, guess what? You're going to lose me. To hear those words would really bother me as a manager or business owner or a leader of a company. I want to create the experience that makes them want to come back, ideally, regardless of price and proximity. I want to create the best experience possible that is competitive enough to get rid of all the reasons somebody would want to do business with someone else. Anyway, so I know that's a long answer to a very short question, but I hope it works for you. 
It absolutely does. And it's fascinating because I'm starting to wonder as a customer, a consumer myself, what kind of decisions am I subconsciously making about becoming a repeat or a loyal customer based on what these companies are doing? And so it's a perfect segue into our real first question here, which is you explain to us that every company out there is capable of creating an amazing customer experience. You say it's within reach. So tell us more about that. Sure. So that is a foundational concept. And in every one of my books, I talk about this. And if you hired me to do a speech and then you had me come back next year and the year after and the year after, I would spend three to five minutes reminding everybody of these really important concepts. So let's talk about amazement by itself, because that's what you asked about. It's not about over the top, blow me away, the most incredible service I've ever had. And you will be able to deliver that on occasion. It has to drop in your lap. Many times it's due to a problem that a customer had and then you step in to save the day or a complaint that a customer has and you're able to resolve it in such a way that they go, wow, you guys were incredible. I I shouldn't have been so angry with you. I kind of have to paraphrase this quote. It was shared with me, but something about you need to be so good that when the customer calls to complain at the end of the conversation, they're the ones that are apologizing. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the way they thought about you, right? Isn't that like pretty cool to think about it that way? Oh, yeah. So amazement, however, is not about over the top. It's about a consistent and predictable above average experience. And what that looks like is if you are on a scale of one to five, and I realize halfway between one and five is two and a half, but let's look at a scale that it's one, two, three, four, five. One is poor, five is amazing. So you got one poor, two fair, three average, satisfactory, if you will. Four is good and five is amazing. So the middle is average, satisfactory. That would be that three. How much better than a three do you have to be to be considered amazing? And the answer is just a tiny bit better, like maybe 10% better. And I can share with you why I have that number in my head if you want, but just understand that that's a little bit better than average. But the key is to always be a little better than average, predictably and consistently, because this is what customers will say. I love doing business with them. They're always so helpful. They're always knowledgeable. They're always friendly. Uh, They always get back to me quickly. Even when there's a problem, I know I can always count on them. The word always followed by something positive is what you're looking for in the experiences that you want to create that are amazing. That's when customers say, I love doing business with them because that word always just creates this consistency and this confidence in their minds. And that's what customers like. They like to have confidence and trust who they're doing business with. Yeah. Well, it also feels like, Shep, it would be a low energy output, but a huge return, right? Because anytime I feel seen with people that I would do business with or interact with, I feel it, even though for them, it just takes that little bit of extra. Yeah. And it's sometimes, it's not so much that it's extra. You do have to train people to think this way. And that means, you know, we're not going to let the phone ring seven times before we answer it. When we do answer it, we're not going to put somebody on hold for six minutes or even longer. And we have statistics now that show that if you call just straight up customer support, just 3% won't wait at all. It's like, if you can't put me through right away, you're getting a bad review, mm-hmm. okay? Which I think is unreasonable. But, you know, up to one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, at a certain point, you've reached a frustration for that customer. You want to eliminate any friction, hold times. And I know I'm getting off the tangent here, but really what we're focused on is the consistent and predictable, I can expect this, and that's why I'm doing business with you every time. Mm-hmm. Well, let's swing the pendulum the other direction. What are some of the reasons that a customer would terminate a relationship with you? Ah, great question. So in the book, we talk about 10 specific 
terminators. And some of the most obvious ones are if an employee showed apathy, in other words, they acted like they really didn't care toward the customer and rudeness. So it's just rudeness, apathy, not being friendly. A number, so those are two, rudeness, apathy. Number three is contact information isn't readily available. But let me tell you what's more interesting. And when there's, there's 10 of these, and then we actually have three reasons why you would want to terminate a customer. And those are great too. And most of that is because they treat you wrong. And as a manager or an owner or a CEO, you got to say customers that treat our people badly aren't worth doing business with. And when you do that, all of a sudden the stock, the employee says, wow, when I say stock, their investment mentally and their effort to take care of a company that they work for goes up because you know the company's taking care of them. But let me share with you a few more. So contact information is a good one. The company doesn't respond or doesn't respond fast enough. But I have some of our latest research, which we do research every year. And I'll read this to you. The number one reasons that customers would not come back we ask, how likely would you be to switch companies or leave a brand you are loyal to? Loyalty, okay, after experiencing any of the following bad customer service experiences. Now, these are companies that you are loyal to. You love them, but then they don't treat you the right way. 75% said they'd leave because of rudeness or apathy. 72% inconsistent information. By the way, just yesterday it happened. I had to make a hotel reservation because I'm getting ready to fly somewhere unexpectedly because of a snowstorm that's coming into St. Louis. And as a result, I called and I said, look, I'm making this reservation for tomorrow night. And if the snow hits, what's the cancellation policy? Now, I am a high level member of their program, right? And they said, sir, it's 72 hours. I said, well, we're within the 72 hours. This is for tomorrow. This is less than 24 hours away. And they said, well, then if you make a reservation, it's non-cancelable. I said, that doesn't sound right. Hung up the phone, picked it up, dialed the same number, got somebody else, got the completely different opposite answer, the answer that I wanted to hear. So who do you think I'm going to believe? I know they record these calls for quality assurance, right? (laughs) And if necessary, I'm going to tell them to look for that call. And by the way, inconsistent information is 72%. Inability to connect with someone for support. In other words, I'm trying to reach out. I can't get anybody. 71%. Generally, a bad customer service experience. But I think that's really very definitive in the customer's mind. It's their perception. Inconsistency, great one day, not so great the next. Long hold times, 57% of customers says, even if I'm loyal to a company, if they don't respect my time, I'm out. Mm -hmm. So self-service options, which are very good digital options that aren't provided. 42% said they want to go and find an answer without having to call in. So those are the reasons that customers would be likely to leave you. I can relate to all of those. You're making a lot of sense. (laughs) So let's switch gears and talk a bit about the automation side, because you claim that you can't automate a relationship, but some companies are still able to create an emotional connection with customers with little or no person-to-person contact. Yeah. So the digital experience is big today. This year, it actually dropped off. People are preferring the phone more than the digital experience by about, I'm going to say about 40% want digital first. And if you look at the age breakdown, it's the baby boomers that are skewing the phone. They don't want to jump on a website or use an app or or text. They prefer the tradition. I believe the reason that went down ever so slightly this year was because last year during the pandemic, actually the last two years, customers have just wanted to talk to people. 
They want to feel there's some kind of connection there. Well, actually, I know that there was an increase, especially in the first six months or so of the pandemic. Customer support managers who I talk to on a regular basis says our call volume is up by 30 plus percent. Mm -hmm. So that's because people just want to talk to somebody. I think that we're going to shift back to the other direction real soon. But to your question, what gets people to have confidence in an automated or digital experience. And that is the company does things. And I'm going to use Amazon as the prime example. The moment, by the way, they're open 24 seven. They have an incredibly easy and intuitive interface. So you can look at their website and it's not really hard to figure out. Once you put your payment information, it's so easy. One click, you buy it, right? All of those things are great and easy. So they created a super uber easy and convenient experience. But here's where the confidence comes in. The moment you place the order, you get an email. Your order has been placed. A few hours later, your order is being shipped. Here is the information and you have tracking information. Next, your order has arrived. And by the way, if there's delays in the order, they will inform you of that as well. However, one of the reasons they give you the tracking information is so that you can get that sense of control yourself. And when it does arrive, many times you get a picture of it leaning against your door, you know, so you know it's right. And your Amazon person has dropped the package off. So you feel this incredible sense of ownership and confidence because of the information that they give you. Nobody likes to receive tons of emails unless they're relevant emails that make your brain go, okay, I like what's happening and there's relief here because I know it's doing what I want it to do. You're right. That is a very satisfying process to order through Amazon, right? You do get that reassurance every step along the way. And that is why I am a loyal return customer. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And any company can do it. It's a digital experience. And one of the other things we found is that a large number of our customers that we surveyed want proactive communication. So they want to know if things are going well. They also want to know if things aren't going well. And they don't want to find out about it when they're expecting it to be here. So if you're smart at what you do, you have alerts in place as a company to alert your own people that, hey, we need to proactively reach out to our customers. Let's just talk about one of the most beat up industries in the whole world, and that's the cable TV and internet industry. And here's why. Everything's great until it's not working anymore. And you want to know when you find out it's not working, when you need it. I have friends coming over to watch the Super Bowl and my internet's out, my cable TV's out. What am I going to do? We work with different companies, but one of the larger cable providers and internet providers, what they try to do is they try to get every single way to communicate with a customer. That would be telephone, email, through an app, texting them, every possible way, and Facebook and all the different social media profiles. And then they blast information out to the area that's lost coverage to all of the different types of communication channels that are out there, hoping that maybe the customer will pick up one. And here's what they're trying to avoid. They're trying to avoid the customer having to call in. So they want to tell the customer, we are aware there's an outage in your area. We are working on it right now. We expect it to be up in the next two hours. If it's not, you're going to get an email from us or whatever, a message from us telling you what's going on and giving you a status report. That gives you such a sense of relief. And again, I know it's the internet cable TV industry, but if you take that and use that as a metaphor for other ways to communicate bad news, customers love that. They feel that you're connected with them and you're looking out for their best interest. Now, this is all making a lot of sense, Chef. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective today on the podcast. Why don't you let us all know where we can connect with you and maybe pick up a copy for ourselves? 
Sure. Just go to Amazon. You can go to my website, hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N.com. And by the way, if you like those stats and you geek out on that, you can download the report at no charge. Just fill out the little form and you'll get that. So I'd love to connect with you there. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Chef. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on the CX Pulse podcast. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes.